Amen, amen. Welcome to our midweek Bible study. Getting a little, getting a couple of things together, but welcome to our midweek Bible study here at Liberty Christian Church International. It's just an honor to be with you on today. Hope that everybody is doing well in spite of everything that's going on. I want to jump straight into some word after we have some prayer. Um, I believe that we've gone through so much over the last two weeks, over these last three months that I'm asking God to just give us a sense of peace, a sense of understanding, a sense of joy in spite of um, with everything that's going on with all the protesting. I know that everybody's on edge, everybody's sensitive, and everybody's emotional. But I do know that we serve an awesome God. I know that we serve a God that said he's never left us nor forsaken us. And even in the midst of everything that's going on, the chaos, the senseless killing, the systemic racism, everything that has been said in the media, everything that's been said on the news, everything that's coming out of our White House here in America, I have to believe that there is a God that is still in love with his people so much that he hears our petitions and hears our cries. And so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on what's going on. I don't want to deny the situation, but I want to be able to encourage someone on this evening. And so if you, uh, if you, with your family, your children, your spouse, wherever you may be in your car, however you may be tuned in, I want to welcome you again to our midweek Bible study, and I want to open us up with a word of prayer, and just want to encourage you that even though weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, we know the enemy's plan is to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus said, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So right now, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this day, God. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity we have just to separate ourselves momentarily from the issues of the world and get into your word to study to show thyself approve a workman who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of God. We thank you, God, because the word is simply the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that if we abide in him and he abides in us and that we give our life to him, that we have an eternal resting place. So, God, we just ask right now for your your spirit of joy, your spirit of love, your spirit of meekness, your spirit of humility. We ask right now that you enter in each and every last home, each and every house, each and every family, each and every mindset to ease anger at this moment. The Bible says to be angry, but to sin not. So God, we ask you right now for the understanding of where we are as a people, as a community, as a nation, and where we are as a world, oh God. And we ask God right now that you release your provisions right now to shore up hearts, to shore up minds, to shore up spirits. To not forget what's taken place, but to bring us into an agreement with you. Bring us on one accord about the next plan of action, oh God. 
God, to, to motivate us to, to become more like your son, Jesus, who walked in the earth. To break down the barriers, to break down the strongholds of racism, to break down the strongholds of, poli of police brutality. To break down the strongholds that have been rooted and grounded in this country since its foundation. God, we don't count it lightly the plight of our people that have come through slavery, that have come through Jim Crow, that have come through segregation, that are dealing with systematic racism, that are dealing with police brutality for our people, black and brown people, God. And we, God, right now, we just submit ourselves wholeheartedly to you, oh God. Where our hearts are weary, where our hearts are, are hurting, where our hearts are in pain, where our minds are confused. We ask God that you be our sovereign God. That you be our savior, you be our deliverer. When the children of Israel cried out to you, you heard their cry. So God, we're crying out to you right now like never before. We're crying out to you for our young black men that are angry. We're crying out to you for our young black women that are angry. We're crying out to the older generation that don't have the words to comfort. We're crying out to you, oh God, for those that serve you that simply don't know what to say. We're crying out to you, God, that you hear our hearts cry. Hear what's on our mind. Hear what's in our spirit. Hear what's in our soul, oh God. And release right now into the atmosphere. Your provision, your plan, your leaders that you're raising up. Bring the church back to the forefront. Bring a relationship with you back to the forefront. Bring change, bring understanding back to the forefront. Bring authority, bring power back through your son Jesus. Bring that back to the forefront. For we know the, the enemy's tactics, his weapons, his devices. God, touch us like never before. Touch the family of George Floyd. Touch the family of Aubrey. Touch the families that have gone through it. Touch those who have been victims in silence. Touch them right now. Touch the minds of those that don't understand. And God, we give you all the glory and we give you all the power and we give you all the adoration from our hearts. We are a people that have been broken, but we are a resilient people. We're a people that will rise up. We're a people that will stand up. We're a people that will say it will not happen. But let us rely on you to bring the change and drive us to the place of saying let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven 
It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Do me a favor. Go ahead and share this on your page. I want to get into the word for this evening. I'm not going to hold us long on this evening. But I do want to, uh, like I said, I do want to try to turn our focus back uh, to sitting and, and studying in the word of God and being in a place of hearing the voice of God and the understanding of God. So I want us to uh, I want us to, to grab our Bibles, grab your iPads, grab your cell phones. I'm going to make our Bible declaration, and we're going to get into some word. We have an awesome topic for this evening. Um, we have an awesome topic. Amen. Uh, if you can lift up your Bibles, your cell phones, whatever it may be, and repeat after me, Lord, I thank you that I have a Bible. It is my personal copy of God's purpose and God's plan for my life. Therefore, I am a believer and not a doubter. I'm not just a hearer, but I'm also a doer. And my life has been better after hearing the word of the living God. Therefore, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not be distracted, but I will hear what thus saith the Lord. And as a result of what I hear today, I'm going to leave here better than I came. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Last week, uh, we were continuing on with this series called Finishing School. I got one more, uh, I got one more um, week after this, after, uh, after tonight, and then we're going to get into something else for our summer session. Um, but tonight, last week we dealt with the Caleb principle, talking about Caleb's faith and talking about what Caleb saw when uh, Moses sent the 12 spies into the land to see uh, if the land was able to be taken. And we looked at Numbers 13 and 6, and we dealt with some things that, uh, that, that transpired, but how Caleb's faith allowed him to still possess the land and possess the authority to take over. Um, but tonight, I really want to step a little bit further in this and deal with this topic, this subject, this understanding of the practice, um, the practice. And so in the midst of all of everything that we heard last week and everything that we talked about last week, we learned because Caleb stood for God and held on to the promise of God and was faithful to God, in his latter days, he still ended up possessing the promise that he heard from God, that God said he would have. And that was the land of Hebron, um, the place that was entitled and defined as wonder, the place that was entitled and defined as enchantment, the place that was simply meant as amazement. Uh, Caleb was still able to possess this land. But this evening, I want to dip a little bit further into this because Caleb did not just possess this land um, as his promise. There were some things that he had to do to drive some things out of the land. And I want to talk about that tonight. I want to talk about the practices that Caleb did to push out and to drive out some things out of the land. We, we see in scripture and we see when he was talking that even if we're going to look at our first scripture for tonight, um, 
there was some driving out that was involved. And our first scripture tonight we're going to look at is Joshua 14, verses 10 through 13. If you go ahead and grab that real quick. Um, and, and, and we saw this, and I spoke about this a little bit last week, so I want to continue on talking about this, and I want to continue on dealing with this, and dealing with, once again, um, we've been in this whole month dealing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, since last month we've been dealing with, you will receive power, but tonight in Bible study, I want to deal with the practice part of this, and practicing and understanding how do we apply our faith? How do we apply what God has shown? us, the promises that God has given us, how do we apply this to our life? How do we stand on his promises in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of things going on? How do we stand uh, and operate in power, in the power of God? Um, Sunday, I talked about receiving the power of God and being filled with the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, I want to dive in a little bit deeper. I'm going to take my time and I'm not going to hold you long, but I really want to deal with this tonight. Um, so if somebody can simply type out for me Joshua 14, the 10th through the 13th verse. Joshua 14, the 10th through the 14th verse. And it reads as this, reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, now behold, the Lord has let me live. This was Caleb speaking. Just as he spoke the 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old. It says, I am still as strong as I was in the day Moses sent me. And my strength was then. So my strength is now. For war and for going out and coming in. Make sure you underline that for going out and coming in uh, for war. Verse number 12 says, Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard that on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities, perhaps the Lord be, will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. And verse number 13 says this, so Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunim, for an inheritance. Son of Jephunim for an inheritance. Um, I want to deal with, and, 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 and I know that you see some points real quick, um, but I want to deal with some things that we saw before you before we even get to those points. Um, Caleb had unwavering faith in God. And his faith was there no matter what time had passed. We see in that scripture that it had been 45 years uh, since the time that Caleb, that God told Caleb the promise that he had for him, that he would possess that land. And Caleb lived out those 45 years. And when Caleb lived out those 45 years, I believe that we have a blueprint of understanding of how to operate in faith. So many times when we, when we hear a word from God, we get 
get discouraged and we get down because it does not uh, automatically materialize. It does not come to pass right when we think we deserve it or when we think that we have to have it. It does not materialize by then. So then we get down on ourselves. We get down and say, well, was it really God that I was hearing from? Was it his word that I was paying attention to? And, uh, and God, do you still see me down here? Do you see me struggling? Do you see me going through? Do you see me being persecuted? Do you see that I'm in lack? Do you see all of these things? And God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, if I said it, I shall perform it. But we have to get to a mindset of relying and living by the faith that we possess, the faith of the mustard seed that moves the mountain, the faith of, uh, of God's will in our life, that he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, he shall perform it. So we got to get to back to a place and a mindset of operating by faith. Somebody say faith. Um, see, so in this position and in this place that we find Caleb, there was time, the time had passed, but no matter how old Caleb got, he believed God's promise for him. No matter if Caleb was in a wheelchair, no matter if Caleb was uh, had been through beatings, no matter if Caleb had gone through oppression, no matter what Caleb had dealt with, uh, no matter what he was going through, he still believed the word of God. And I'm and, and I'm and, and I'm paralleling this right now to what we're seeing right now. That yes, we seem to be going through hell in high water. Yes, it seems like God has turned His back on our people. It seems like God has, has forgotten his children. It seems like we're dealing with this problem day after day. But I have to ask you to simply believe that God has not, forget, have not forgotten you and that his promise over our lives, that his promise that he would never leave us nor forsake us has to stand true. That his promise that we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus, that his promise that he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. His promise that he made, we have to take hold of it and still believe it in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the situation, in the midst of the heartache, that we have to rely on more than what we see in front of us. Because if we solely rely on what we see in front of us, we'll see what's going on in the media. We'll see how they're propagating certain things. We'll see what's coming out of the White House and how they're propagating certain things. And it will get to a place where your heart is in despair and, you're, and you will not not rely on what God has spoken to us, how he constantly confirms his word day after day in our life. How many of you have been through situations in your life where you did not think you could ever make it out of, but you heard a word from God that brought you through your situation? No, I'm not shedding. I'm not. Uh, I'm not trying to 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 gloss over what we're dealing with in this country. What we're dealing with as a black people. Uh, what we're dealing with as a race in society. I'm not glossing over that. What I'm saying is that we have to come together on one accord, and then we have to get into an understanding that we have that there is nothing 
that 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 there is nothing that the enemy can do to us that will stop us that can kill our joy we have to stand on something because we'll fall for anything if not so what where do we go from here we 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 have to get to this place of practice of understanding practicing our faith practicing how to to respond, practicing how to act, practicing how to believe God's promise on our life. Could you imagine if we exercise just a portion of faith like Caleb for our right now and rested on God's promise, the change in outlook we would have. If we, if we only stop seeing what's happening uh, 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 what's happening that the enemy is doing because the enemy has a has a defined time and we already know he's a defeated foe but we have to grab hold of something greater than what the enemy's plan is we have to grab hold of God's promise which is everlasting from uh, from beginning to end what God's promise is for our lives and we have to begin to grab one another and say do you know what God said about you I dare you to turn somebody and ask them do you know what God said about you that you're fearfully and wonderfully made no matter the color of your skin that you're fearfully and wonderfully made no matter whether you're male or female that you're fearfully and wonderfully made because you're uh, you were created in his image and in his likeness and yes the enemy does not like you but the enemy has a appointed time that his time comes to an end and yes we go through trials and yes we go through situations and yes we have our bad seasons and yes we have our seasons where it seems like nobody cares, but God is still God in the earth. God is still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is still the same in our life. So we have to get back to this place of trusting God. If you, if you simply could take the faith of a mustard seed and apply it to your life, to apply it to your family, family lives. I've, I've had a struggle over the last week or so, even talking to my own kids. So don't get me wrong when I say I don't, when, when I'm saying trust in God, because I've had to sit down and have a real talk with God and say, God, what is going on? How do I explain to my kids what's taking place? How do I encourage them to, that, that they, they still have opportunity here? How do I encourage them and God said, you encourage them by my word. You lay hands on them. You declare my word over them and you counter what the enemy is trying to show them. You counter it by faith. You counter it by protecting them, but you counter it also by putting them in my hands. Where is the practice in our lives? Where, what are we doing? See, we got to see when we when we look at Caleb, and we're going to get back to scripture real quick, Caleb was ready to drive out by any means necessary the things that didn't belong in his promise. If you look at it and we go back to that scripture and we go back to where he talked about it, Caleb said, maybe God will be with me to drive them out of Hebron. He said, I know what God has promised me. 
And God has given me strength. Every whip on the back, every challenge that we go through, every oppressive nature that we seem to deal with, God is strengthening his people to come out. God is strengthening us to stand up. I, I, there comes a point in time where, where the beatings don't hurt, but the power and the authority to stand up and say, you're not going to do this to me anymore, begins to take root and begins to stand up. But we have to get to a place of allowing faith in God to be that power that stands for us, that stands in us, that builds up in us. See, Caleb was ready to drive out by any means necessary the things that did not belong to him. And see, the driving out part is the practice that we have to deal with and understand. See, receiving the promise requires work, and at times there are things that must be driven out. And although God makes promises that are true, and although God keeps his promises, there is still work involved by us. Because he empowers us to possess and do the necessary things prior to possessing the land. I want us to look at some things right now and, and see, we have to be willing to drive out some things and we have to be willing to show forth some things. And, and one of those things is we have to be willing to drive out some things because God has promised, promised us some things in our life. Number two, because of that, we have to drive out some things in our own lives. And number three, although God makes promises that are true, there is still work we have to do. I mean, you and me, I mean, as a society, as a people, there are things that we have to do to drive out some things that are taking place in our spiritual lives, in our physical lives, in our surrounding, in our society, in our culture. There are still, there is still plenty of work that has to be done. The question is, are you ready to drive out some things? Are you ready to stand up? Are you ready to war? Are you ready to dive in spiritually? Are you ready to grab hold of the word of God, the will of God, and the purpose of God for your life? Are you motivated not just for violence, not just for killing, not just for tearing down and destruction, but are you motivated to get up and say, what do I have to do to change the narrative? What do I have to do? Do I have to run for public office? Do I have to stand up? Do I have to be the one to speak out? What do I have to do? What are some things that I have to practice to drive out the system? The place that the enemy has set up ground and camped out at. What is it that I have to do? We're going to look at Matthew the 11th chapter, looking at the 12th verse. Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 12th verse. And these are the words of the Lord. And it says this, from the days of John the Baptist, not, not from the Lord, but it's, it says this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence taketh by force and the violent man taketh by force. Now, that's not my calling card for you to go out and, and loot and tear up stuff. But I'm letting you know that there comes to you can't to come to a place where we realize that we're in a 
spiritual war, that we're in a war for the kingdom of God. We're at war for our safety. We're at war for our culture. We're at war for our peace. But it starts with fighting it in heaven first. Spiritual battles. We 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 often look at the physical manifestation of a physical of a spiritual force that's been taking place, a spiritual entity that's coming about. We have to realize what we're fighting against because the enemy is never what we see on the face of it. The enemy is never what we see uh, directly ahead of us. There's always something behind the enemy that's portraying it, that's pushing it, that's causing it to come into. The atmosphere is something behind it. And we know the enemy of this world is Satan. And we have to realize and deal with it from a spiritual standpoint and then stand physically. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Somebody say, I got to understand and practice for the war. Because the first thing that we need to know and the first thing is that we need to understand is that we are at a state of war. And it was amazing when I was studying for this Bible study that the first point in, in the place and time that we are right now, and I was almost reluctant to teach this tonight because I did not want to cause any more animosity or any more hatred because I'm identifying it, but I have to say what thus saith the Lord. We are at a state of war. A couple of years, I post, a couple of years ago, I posted on uh, Facebook or Twitter or whatever it may have been, a prophetic word that God gave me that there were two wars coming to this country. One would be a race war and the other would be a religious war. And it almost felt, it, it felt so surreal as we see the start of where we are right now. And I'm not propagating it. I'm not starting it, but I'm telling you what the, what, 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 uh, what the word of God, what the, what God is saying in this season. And people looked at it and said, you're crazy when you say that. No, we're not going to have that. But I, I, hearing the voice of God is it, going to be adverse than, uh, uh, than what a lot of things that, that a lot of others are hearing, but it's going to line up with the word of God. Number two, we have an adversary who wants us dead. That's why I said this was so prophetic when I began to, 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 to study this and, and see it, that this word is, it, 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 it really challenged me to prepare for this. It really challenged me to be able to really convey this to you because of where we are right now. Because we know we have an adversary that wants us dead. But I'm not talking about the physical manifestation of that adversary. I'm talking about the spiritual part of that adversary that's behind the scenes that's seeking to devour us. And that's number three. The adversary seeks to steal, kill, and destroy what is he trying to steal? He's trying to steal our hope, our joy. He's trying to steal who God has called us to be. He's trying to, he's trying to kill us daily because the Bible says that there will be raised up one that will be a baby and a child shall lead us. But the enemy does not know where that child is coming from. But the enemy is scared of the advancement. The enemy is scared of the progress. The enemy is scared of changing the status quo. And the enemy is set out to kill us. But the Bible says that he came to seek, 
to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life. What is he here to destroy? He's here to destroy the way that we see life, the way that we uh, enjoy life. He's here to destroy what God has called us to be. He's here to destroy your, your children's hope for a better future. He's here to destroy your hope for coming out from amongst them. He's here to destroy and send us back to a place of saying, what's the point? Number four, the adversary wants you ignorant of your status and your place. Why? Because if he can take and destroy his, our status and, and our place, then we become susceptible to anything that he throws at us. We become susceptible to anything he, he tries to do with us. He be, we become susceptible of his tactics and his vices. And we lose standing together as one. We lose coming on one accord. And, and number five, the adversary is a defeated foe that you need to keep in his place. Well, pastor, how do we keep him in his place? We have to rely on what God has given us, the weapons that God has given us. Yes, we can fight with hands all day long. We can shoot. We can kill. We can do all of that. But that is not putting the enemy, the true enemy, in his place. We need him to know that he's already defeated, not to kill as many of us while he's on his way to hell, while he's on his way to, this, uh, 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 to be cast into the abyss. We have to take the bull by the horn and realize and tell this bull that you are defeated in all areas of our life. In racism, you're defeated. We need to prophetically declare that, that racism co has come to an end. Yeah, I know what we see, but what are we speaking? What are we saying in the earth? What are we declaring? I'm declaring that it's done. I'm declaring that it's finished. I'm declaring that we are set free, that we are coming out from amongst them. The adversary is defeated. And we have the responsibility. The body of Christ has the responsibility to keep him in his place. To keep him in his place because right now we see the enemy is not afraid to walk up to a church. We see the enemy is not afraid to, to mock the word of God. The enemy is not afraid because we are exhibiting no power, no spiritual authority, no spiritual power. And we have to begin to stand up on the word of God in order to defeat a spiritual force that is taking over in the physical. My God, what, who am I talking to? Right now, we know that the adversary is a defeated foe and you need to keep him in place with the word of God. Not only that, what must we do to drive him out? What must we do? Uh, what must we drive out in the first place, because of a lot of us, a, a, a lot of us have operated in, 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 in these things and we don't really trust the word of God. But we have to get back to a place of trusting the word of God. And see, that's part of his biggest tactics to make us lose trust in the word of God. What must we drive out? We must drive out doubt, doubt in our mind. We must drive out the fear, the fear to challenge uh, the status quo. 
We must drive out distractions. We must drive out the ignorance, the complacency. We must drive out compromising. We must drive out unbelief. We must drive out bitterness and strife. And we must drive out jealousy. Now we can look at this both in the physical and in the spiritual. And say and, and deal with this from each standpoint. We got to drive out the doubt that the word of God is true. We must drive out the fear that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We must drive out the distractions that we're facing on a daily basis that's stopping us from being who God called us to be. That's stopping us from striving to be what we, the greatest thing that we can be in the earth. We have to drive out the ignorance that we're allowing to feed our spirits. We have to drive out the ignorance we're allowing to feed our children on a daily basis. We can't have a prayer life. We can't have a worship life. We can't have a spiritual life. We can't have a standard of excellence because we're feeding ourselves with so much ignorance that is that is cluttering our mind so we can't think straight. We have to drive out the spirit of complacency that we don't that, that we've gotten to a place of being too old. Just imagine if Caleb had gotten to this place of being too old and said, well, God is not going to uh, give me what he promised me. I'm just going to relax here. I'm just going to stay here while I'm in the wilderness and I'm just going to uh, I'm going to uh, be here and I'm not going to strive for what I know God has called me to. We have to get out of the spirit of complacency. We got to get out of the spirit of compromising. You are a child of God. You are an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Complacent, compromising is not in your nature, should not be attached to you. You should either live for the word of God, stand for the word of God, be a part of the kingdom of God, or step aside. You have to live up and stand up to a standard. If we're going to be here, if we're going to stay here, I, I remember when I was in the military and we had this saying, lead, follow, or get out of the way. We, there is no compromising. Either you're going to lead or you're going to follow. And if you don't want to do either because you're, you're, you're confused, get out of the way. Allow someone to step up that has uncompromising faith. Unbelief. One day you believe the word of God, but as soon as a little adversity comes, you start doubting. You, you, you turn back to what you knew before. And God said, when are you going to rely on me? When are you going to stand on my word? I never, I never had unbelief in you, so why do you doubt me? We got to get rid of the bitterness and strife. We bitter and we argue and we have strife with one another. Like I said, this can go in the physical and this can go in the spiritual. We can talk about this from as a race. We can talk about this as the church. Bitterness and strife is causing us division. And we got to drive this out. Jealousy. Jealousy amongst one another. We got to drive out these, these systemic plans that the enemy has against us that causes division with us. <sighs> these things are not just to be driven out 
from your promise, they almost they also have to be driven out from your from 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 your heart. These things have to be driven out from your heart, your mind, your mouth, from your family, from your ministry. You got to start driving the tactics and the, the vices of the enemy out of your atmosphere. Because first it starts at home. It starts with you. The enemy must be driven out from your heart. Them heart and hearts that we have. We have to surrender them over to God. Yes, I, I don't know if anybody saw that video that was posted maybe about, uh, I want to say about six months ago over in, uh, uh, in, in the UK somewhere. And the young man was out preaching on the corner and there was a neo-Nazi guy that was there that was just going off on him and cursing him out and saying all manners of evil to him. And the guy just kept on preaching the word of God with love. He just kept preaching and, and ministering to the man. And as much as the man, the spirit that was operating in the man wanted to hate, he bowed, it ended up bowing itself down to the word of God so that lives could be changed, so that the young man could have an experience with somebody like never before. The spirit of the living God is a living spirit that changes, that captivates, that corrects, that, that casts out all manners of evil. The spirit of the living God that, that, that we say we possess on the inside of us changes the dynamics, changes the, the, the situation. The spirit of the living God that compels us to change, that compels us to come to the cross, that compels others to say, what must I do to be saved? How do I operate in love? The spirit of the living God that drives the enemy out of the heart. It drives the enemy out of the mind. It drives the enemy out of your mouth. It drives the enemy out of your family. It drives the enemy out of your ministry. The spirit of the living God changes the environment, changes the situation. And if we stand up with the spirit of the living God, I believe that the environment can shift right now. I believe the dynamic can shift right now for those who we think it can't change. I believe if we stand up with the spirit of the living God and begin to love like never before begin to stand like never before begin to pray like never before begin to worship like never before i believe the god that i serve i believe that he said that he is above and not beneath that i am that we can call on his name and we shall be saved i believe when the word said that when the enemy comes in like a flood that the spirit of the living god raises up a standard for us oh i believe that the bible says that when the righteous are afflicted they run in and shall be saved. I believe what the word of God says, that no head should be harmed. I believe that he said there is safety under uh, when we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I believe when he said that a thousand may fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. I believe what the word of the Lord said, and I believe that if we begin to open up our mouth and confess with our mouth, if we begin to speak those things, 
things that are not on one accord as one church as one voice with one power that we can see the system change that we can see the environment shift that we can see deliverance take place that we can see the enemy fall down to his knees and bow down in surrenderance I believe that we can see the enemy driven out I believe that that things can be uprooted I believe this is what I believe. And because I believe it, I believe that the practice of it has to, has to stand forward and stand frontward. And we have to become what we've been talking about becoming. We have to become the church of the living God. The church of the true and living God that's built in his image and in his likeness. I believe it. I believe that we have to practice it because this to practice it means anything opposing your standing and processing in the things of God. We must drive it out. We must drive it out. And we got about 15 more minutes, but how do we drive the enemy out? How do we drive him out? This is my first statement. By changing our confessions and our words. We're going to look at Psalms 19 and 14. Very familiar scripture. Very familiar scripture. And it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth. Let what I say in communication, let what I say in my prayer time, let what I say when I'm talking, let what I say in the meditation of my heart. What do I think on in my heart? What is my heart meditating on? What has been playing? Because for, for the last two weeks or the last week and a half, for the last 90 days, it was a, a, a pandemic, and then it rolled into to, to the killing of Aubrey, then it rolled into the killing of George Floyd. For the last 90 days, the enemy has constantly been feeding our heart, and our heart has meditated on what the enemy has, has prescribed for us, but now we have to get back to meditating on the Word of God. We got to change our confessions and our words. The meditation of our heart. Be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He's your rock. He's your redeemer. He, he brought you through before. He brought you through when you was on the brink of, of, of death. He brought you through when you were on the bed of your sin. He brought you through when you were afflicted. He brought you through dangers seen and unseen. He brought you through troubled times. He brought you over troubled waters. He brought you from a mighty long way. And if he did it then, he can do it now. If he did it now, he can do it in your future. He said your latter days will be greater than your past he said but we gotta change our confessions and our words and we gotta allow our let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable be acceptable be pleasing to God I know we're angry I told you scripture says be angry but sin not 
Yeah, I know that we have anger rallying up on the inside of us. That our kids are frightened to step out the house. That our kids are scared to come out. That, that people don't know whether when they leave out for work in the morning that they're going to make it home that night. But that's a tactic of the enemy. That's the tactics of the enemy to say, look what I can do to you to take you off of your purpose, to take you out of your responsibility, to take you from being a generational changer. We got to begin to change our confessions. And we got to allow our heart to meditate on the right thing. We got to allow our heart to hear the right thing. How else can we do this? By aligning our thoughts to the reality of what you're facing. By aligning our thoughts to the reality of what we're facing. And what do I mean? Because you got to see beyond what you're seeing on the flesh. And know who we're fighting against. And I got a long scripture for you here. Uh, uh, actually, this is not the long scripture I'm talking about. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 and 6, 10, 4 and 6, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to, but divinely power for the destruction of fortresses. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. We know what that says in the King James Version. But divinely powerful for the destructions of fortresses. In the King James Version it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. It says here, but divinely powerful. I like the way that it just said that. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. That means it taps into the divine nature of God. It taps into the power of God for the destruction of the enemy's fortresses. So there is no power greater than the divinely powerful God. There is no power greater than the one that we serve. There is no power greater. But the enemy rises up and he comes at you and he blows, he puffs his chest up and we forget who we are and what we possess. We forget the practice of, of understanding that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It goes on to say this. Ah, excuse me. It goes on to say this. Amen. Computer just died. <laughs> it said, but for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And I'm, and I'm going to bring the scripture up. And our next scripture, excuse me, was uh, um, for the rest of 2 Corinthians 10 and 6. 10 verses 4 through 6. Amen. See how the enemy wants to, he, he doesn't want this word to come out. But not today, enemy, not today. But we're going to continue on. Uh, 2 Corinthians, once again, you got to go pull it up the old-fashioned way. Amen, amen. 2 Corinthians 10. And it says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive 
to the obedience of Christ. We're taking every thought captive. We're taking every mindset captive. We're taking everything captive uh, uh, under the will of God, under the purpose of God, under the obedience of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's our savior. Because anything is subject to him. Anything in the earth is subject to our savior. Is subject to the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God. So we must realize that if it's subject to him, then we have to understand and believe that, that we rely and bring it all to him. Amen? And see, um, then I wanted to look at this long Psalms. Amen? I wanted to look at this long Psalms, and I'm going to bring it up to you so that you can see it. I, I want to make sure that you see it. Amen? And this is, amen, amen, I'm bringing it up to you now. Amen. Give me one second. Here we go. Bring it up to you this way. All right. Now it doesn't want to change for me. Amen. We're going to continue to work through this. I'm going to continue to work through this. Amen. Let's see. I'm not going to slow down because we only got about eight more minutes. But then in Psalms 37, if you can pull up Psalms 37, pull up Psalms 37. Amen. Psalms 37 is a long, 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 long. It's 38 verses. But in Psalms 37, I need you to understand and go to a place of realizing that it's not just our thoughts, but our actions have to follow. Psalms the 38 or 37. It's Psalms 37. Psalm 37. And I'm going to read it. And I know you don't have it. You, you, you don't have it. Amen. But I'm going to read it, actually. I'm going to see if I can get it to you. Psalms 37, do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious towards wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the, grain, like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. You hear that? Cultivate faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Verse number four says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will do what? Give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Verse number seven said, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his ways. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. Uh, do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. We cannot continue to rely and listen to and hear what the enemy's plan is and what the enemy's devices are. We have to stand on something bigger and something that, un that helps us grab hold of the purpose of God and the plan of God. Verse number nine says, for evildoers will be cut off. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. There, there's power in waiting. 
There's power in seeing things through. He said, verse number 10, yet a little while, while the wicked man will be no more. There is an appointed time that the wicked man's time, his, his position, his status comes to an end. And you will look carefully for his place and get this, the Bible says, and he will not be there. Verse number 11 says this, but the humble will inherit the land. And will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. There is an appointed time coming where the enemy will not be here. He will succumb to the will of God, the purpose of God, and even the judgment of God. And it says, but the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Verse number 12 says, the wicked plots against the righteous. And gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord gets this in number verse number 13. It said the Lord laughs at him. For he sees his day coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow. To cast down the what? The afflicted and the needy. To slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter their own heart. It's going to be reversed on them. The Bible says that he's already drawn his sword. They pull back the bow. They're ready to fight, but their own tactics will kill them. Oh, somebody missed that. Better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken. Every device, every tactic, every use that they have will be broken. But the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the day of the blameless and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil. And in the day of famine, they will have abundance. But the wicked will what? Will perish. And the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrow and do not and does not pay back but the righteous is gracious and gives for those blessed by him will inherit the land but those cursed by him will be cut off the steps of a man are established by the Lord and he delights in his ways when he falls he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand what my, one of our favorite scriptures, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. All day long he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so you will abide forever. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his glory. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will what? Be cut off. God constantly tells us the penalty for the wicked. It's coming. It's going to take place. And throughout history, everything that has been wicked has fallen. Everything that has been an issue coming up against God's people has fallen. Verse number 30 said, the mouth of the righteous utter wisdom and his tongue speak justice. The law of his God is in his hearts. He steps, 
uh, his steps do not slip. The wicked spies upon the righteous and seeks to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in his hands. Get that. I need somebody to write that out. The Lord will not leave him in his hands or let him become condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord and keep his ways and he will exalt you to inherit the, the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see. Verse number 35 says this, because I'm going to finish this out and then we're done. I have seen a wicked, violent man spreading himself like a luxury tree in its native soil. Then he passed away and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and behold the upright for the man of peace will have posterity, but transgressors will be altogether destroyed. The posterity, the posterity of the wicked will be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them. But they take refuge in him. They take refuge in him. We, we, we come under his wings. Under the shadow of the almighty. There is safety. There is hope. There is joy for a hopeless world. There's promise that he said he would not leave us. There is promise for those that are afflicted. There is promise for those that are burdened. There is promise that God gives us. And it's not that we just have to speak it out of our mouth, the confession. It's not that we just change our thoughts. But we have to take action on the way and the will and the purpose of God to change the environment. To change the narrative. To change our mindset into what God has promised us. Are you ready to make that change? Are you ready to see just what you can be with God? Are you willing to do it? It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to seem like you're going with the crowd. But are you willing to stand up and say, yes, Lord? I don't understand what's going on, but I understand you. I don't understand why they don't like us. I don't understand why they're killing. I don't understand why it seems like there's no hope for us, but I'm trusting you for my hope. I'm trusting you for the hope of my people. Do I have at least 10 people that can declare, God, I'm going to trust you more. I'm trusting that you're going to bring us out. I'm trusting that you're going to make a way past this. I'm trusting you, God. I'm hurting, but I'm trusting. I'm crying, but I'm trusting. I'm broken, but I'm trusting. I'm hurt, but, but, but I'm trusting you, God. I'm broken, but I'm trusting you, God. I'm down, but I'm trusting you, God. I'll trust you. 
I'll trust you, God. I'll trust you with my all. I'll trust you with my being. I'll trust you with my essence. I'll trust you with everything that is within me. I'll trust you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this time, God. Thank you for your word, God. I pray, God, that this word do not fall on deaf ears, God, but it falls and it compels the heart. It falls and it changes the mindset. It falls and it delivers your people, oh God. God, all across this world, all across this country, right now there are people that are hurt, God. God, right now I stand in the gap along with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, with pastors, with evangelists, with prophets, with teachers, with apostles, with just the person who loves you so much and hurts for what they see going on right now. God, we trust you. We submit our will, our authority, and our Purpose to you, O oh God, for answers. For answers, God, for, for plans, for designs, for change. We trust you. And God, with all of us, with all that is within us, we surrender to your will, to your purpose, and to your plan. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I love you with the love of God. I'm not going to hold us any longer for tonight. But share this Bible study with somebody. And realize that we have to begin to practice what we need to practice to remove the enemy out of our life. Out of our hearts, out of our minds, out of our families, out of our ministry, out of our thoughts. It's time to remove the enemy. And it's time to replace him with our right relationship with God. I love you. Be blessed. And have a wonderful evening.